welcome to the Conversations About Light podcast, a King's Cross podcast illuminating our desire to engage in lighthearted conversations that are grounded in scripture. Our hope is that through these conversations, our community will be encouraged and grow in their curiosity about light. Okay, well, welcome back to a new and fresh season of Conversations About Light. Uh, We're in the Book of Thessalonians, this uh, series of Life in Transit, and that's what we're going to be diving into today. I'm your host, Caleb. I'm joined here with Mark, Josh, and our fresh voice, Jib. That's me. (laughs) So fresh, so fresh. So fresh and so clean. So, yeah, really looking forward to this season. Got some exciting, exciting conversations ahead, I'm sure. Before we do, how are we all going? Sweet as honey. Sweet as honey. <laughs> yeah, I'm sweet as maple syrup. Wow. Yeah. Oh. It's Canadian <laughs> coming out. That's right. <laughs> Josh, how, how sweet are you? Just I'm, I'm just sweet. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So, Jib, for those who are listening that I'm sure everyone in King's Cross knows you and is familiar with your gentle, soft, comforting voice. Oh, yeah. Um, you're obviously one of the elders. Maybe just tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, um, at, at recording time, my being part of the eldership is pretty new at King's Cross. Um, and it's a huge privilege and responsibility. And it's very exciting uh, for my wife and I to just see, explore what God wants to do with us. How can we best serve? And because one of the questions a lot of people have, not for me, but for themselves or for God, a lot of the time is, where does God want me? What should I be doing? What next? And sometimes we don't get clear answers. But this um, does seem like the direction God has for us. And to have some peace about that and a sense of clarity about that is really exciting. It's like, yeah, oh, okay, this is where you want me. Let's just do it. Yeah. And so I'm really glad to be able to participate uh, in the podcast as well and join these conversations and hopefully bless those who are listening, um, but certainly be blessed by those I'm talking with as well. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited to, to have you here and... I think, yeah, the King's Cross community is so blessed by having you. We're excited. I told Jib um, this story when uh, a while back, probably a year or so ago, he did a small three-minute exposition on baptism. And the, I just loved it. My, the, the scales fell from my eyes. And the light, I saw the light. So I'm super excited to have Jib here. I'm sure many are going to experience the same thing as Jib's wisdom flows. Um, it's just a delight to have you, Jib. It's got so much to offer. Jib, uh, Caleb mentioned your smooth and gentle voice. Do you have any anecdote about about that that you could share with us? Yeah, perhaps a story. Tell, yeah, a story from school maybe. School maybe. In high school. <laughs> high school. <laughs> Probably in grade 10 history, we're about to do a reading from the textbook and you know, the teacher asked a random student to do it. And before she could ask anyone, one of the girls in class kind of interjected and said, hey, can, can we get Jib to read it? And everyone looked confused, and she said, I just find his voice really soothing. Yes. <laughs> well, oh, fortunately yeah. for our listeners, they don't have to ask. They yeah. just get the pleasure yeah. of, right. of listening Before in. Before people think I love the sound of my <laughs> own voice too much, too I have late, the same experience that everyone has, I think, where the first time you hear it record, recorded, it's quite a shock. Yeah, and wow. so I've, I've learned to tolerate my own voice over time. But I'm, I'm glad someone liked it. I could just play you on repeat in my yeah. car. <laughs> we don't tolerate it. We're soothed by it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have, have you ever read Song of Solomon to your wife? <laughs> <laughs> no. 
I will. It never. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. I'm going to ask right. her, guaranteed. <laughs> well, let's uh, dive into what are you gentlemen noticing within 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 1 to 10? Yeah, it's a great uh, opening. I love uh, Paul's thankfulness. He's so excited. Yeah. He's so grateful for what God has done. And this is a remarkable uh, group of people, a group, bunch of believers, not because of them. You know, Paul says, I thank God for what he's done. And and sometimes we just, all we can do is just look uh, in amazement at what God has done. And, and this is certainly true of the Thessalonians. He describes them as um, people of great faith, love, and hope. I mean, that's like almost a description of, of God. <laughs> it's like, wow, this is evidence in your, in your midst and overflowing. So I, th- I think um, I'm noticing how grateful Paul is and how incredible the work that God has done. And part of the reasons that I think Paul said his, his preaching came with power and the Holy Spirit and full conviction. So clearly, again, God was just had done an amazing job in rescuing and delivering and bringing people to salvation in Thessalonia. And the church is remarkable despite uh, heavy persecution, which you can read about in Acts 17. So I guess noticing, first of all, just the incredible work of God in this group of people and and Paul's great joy in that. Sometimes I skip over the the obvious things, and one of the things I would probably skip over often is the fact that Paul is always ministering in team, seems. He he mentions at least three guys here that are working together, traveling together, which is quite encouraging. And then I think in our culture, it's difficult to make this comment because the fact that I can make this comment already shows how wrong I think about it. But in our culture, we kind of – lift some people and lower other people and so you know the fact that paul goes we give thanks to god always for you constantly mentioning you in our prayers and i think and and i'm amazed by that i think paul the one of the greatest christians ever lived and this is what i'm saying the fact that i can even make this comment shows how wrongly i think is going to spend his time giving thanks to god and praying for these people and it's like wow like i i hope people are praying for me but to think that someone like paul would be spending his time praying for me, knowing me by name, is like just shows how wrong I think. And in Paul, Paul shows how rightly we think that you know these are these are people loved by God. Um, he in no way sees himself as superior to them. It's a privilege for him to pray for them. It's a privilege for him to uh, be thankful to God for them. Uh, and so that just you know those are some of the little things that kind of stick out to me. Um, that some of the ways yeah. I think are, are not there in Scripture. Um, and what a blessing to have this type of community um, with one another. What about you, Jib? Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I'm glad you highlighted that because it's the way Paul talks about his group in plural. Like he's not saying me, myself. I mean, it, we give thanks. Mm. He talks about being imitators of us, not being imitators of me because of my being an apostle, mm. but um, of this crowd of Christians Good. who are Christ-like. Mm. And then it extends that further in that saying, it's great that other people are being imitators of you. So, yeah, he's certainly making it a level playing field. Mm. People who love Jesus should be like people who love Jesus. Very good. And that's really cool. I wish we could kind of step into history and be in this cultural context because the best evidence we have of the um, reputation of the church here is that Paul's saying, I don't even need to talk about your reputation. Because everyone knows, you know. <laughs> yeah. And street cred. Yeah. That's right. You've got all this street cred. And now throughout history, all that we've got left as evidence of that street cred is this letter saying, you've got so much street cred, I don't need to talk about it. So, yeah. wow. you know, 
um, I wish we could kind of like step back into that. But I'm so grateful that we do have, that we do live after that time and that we have, like this is before the Gospels were written, even though the, the events had already happened. You know, this is, they don't have all of the letters yet of, mm. the, of what came to be the New Testament. And so the fact that we have all of these compiled together and can study them together is so awesome. But I have a little envy of that period of time of having Paul firsthand, um, which is probably me elevating in the same way that you were talking about, Mark, yeah. elevating an individual, which is not necessarily helpful. Actually yeah. quite unhelpful. Yeah. I mean, not mince words there. Mm. Must, have, must have been quite amazing the, um, their encounter with the gospel and with Jesus. That's transformed everything, right? I think yeah. Paul had that on Damascus, right? He's... He's got all his agendas and everything, but God breaks in and he's totally different. Seems like these guys have had a very similar, yeah, um, they've given up um, in Thessalonica, it's a major city center, so there's probably a lot, there's lots of commerce, they're a hub and a port, but they've, they've opted out of all of that and to and are now being persecuted. Um, everyone's against them. They may have, I'm sure some of them must have lost jobs, and that, but Jesus was enough, you know, like um, that that word he says that this gospel came to you with full conviction. It was like they were fully convinced. They were fully, completely absorbed by the the gospel and by Jesus that it was more than enough. And I think that's what makes um, a community that's uh, banks are overflowing with love, with faith, with joy, with peace. Um, really, they must have really had an incredible um, encounter. And uh, yeah, and no, they must have really met Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah. I like uh, picking up what Jib said about the imitation aspect. There is it's yeah. so it's so simple, right? And th- that people who love Jesus are imitators of people who love Jesus, who are examples to people who love Jesus. And it's kind of this: everyone has a part to play. You're either imitating someone who loves Jesus, and and when you are, then you're also an example to other people who love Jesus who are therefore imitating people who love Jesus, who are therefore an example to other people who love Jesus. And it's it's kind of this like nameless, if you're someone that is living for God and are an example of Christ-likeness, then, then you just fall straight into that kind of cycle, um, yeah. which I love. I mean, these are, these are new Christians. And Paul says, like you, you, like you said, Jib, you became imitators of us, but then you became examples for all, which is, is incredible. And, you know, when you look at their conversion, and, and this is kind of the beginning part of i think uh thessalonians this is quite i think it's quite amazing paul says the report that's getting out about you this is what everyone's hearing about you is that you've turned to god now that doesn't surprise me because you know we 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 kind of expect people to turn to god he is wonderful and but he says from other idols to serve the living and true god and to wait for jesus from heaven so there's this thing there's this idea of the whole life has shifted from something to something. And I think sometimes in in my culture, in my life, in in our culture, in my life, you kind of have the sense of additions. You can add things to your life Mm -hmm. and you can become a Christian. You can add God to your life. You can be be convinced that God is real. You can receive Christ as your Lord, in in language at least. And, And so God becomes a part of your life. But the way Paul talks about these people is they left their life. You turned from those idols you turn from your culture, you turn from what you knew to God to serve him, to do something. It's not just to believe in him, but to serve him and to wait for Jesus. This is remarkable conversion. Yeah. I wonder if that's what my conversion's like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very good. Did you want to add something, Jim? Yeah, I, I like that that illuminates that uh, they didn't start from neutral. Mm. Not that anyone does, but mm. I think it's a good reminder that 
we don't, that we have stuff to put away mm. when we go to Jesus. And in our, in our sanctification journey, even after we've accepted Jesus, we're probably learn, learning to put more things away, yeah. to die to more parts of ourself, to find more life in Jesus. Um, so I'm really glad you highlighted that. Yeah, Josh, you were saying something interesting about, so these guys are obviously a fantastic example, but you were mentioning an example that's not so great that maybe mm. weren't putting away things. Uh, the, can you talk a little bit about the Corinthians? Uh, yeah, yeah. So Paul says, you guys have become imitators of me. Um, and then you've your kind of life example has been sent out. Everyone's you know, hearing of it. And he says, you are imitators of me. Mm. Whereas to the Corinthians, he's like, you guys need to imitate me like, and to imitate Christ. So what he's saying to the Corinthians is you're not doing this. You, yeah. <laughs> you're not uh, imitating me or Jesus. Whereas to the Thessalonians, he's going, you guys, are, I'm so grateful to God because you've turned, like you're saying, you've tur- they've turned from idols. I mean, we find it hard to give up our second cup of coffee for Jesus. And these guys <laughs> have like given up everything, you know. So um, uh, I love their, their example. I think the imitation thing, though, maybe is also what we're talking about because the Corinthians have not imitated yeah. Paul well. They've kind of gone their own way. I think in our culture and certainly in my own heart, I find that is a, is a countercultural statement. Mm. Imitate me. And, and most often we don't want to do that. I know even pastorally my experience, people may come and ask me, hey, I love, I, I see what's going on in your life with X, with maybe your kids or something, tell me about that. And you, you say what putting away other things and, and, putting, and putting Jesus above all looks like, and then you get immediate pushback. No, I don't want to do that. So I think our culture doesn't want to imitate, and I include, sorry, I include myself. I'm not saying it's other people in particular. Yeah. It's me as well. But I think that, Call to um, imitation, which which results with like putting away the idols and all that. We don't want to do that. We want sort of want the I think has we want the kingdom without the king. Mm-hmm. Or we want yeah, we want to yeah. we want the results without any kind of imitate like without ever out following. And I think that's the I think maybe Mark, that's what we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. That great kind of difference. The Thessalonians have gone wow. They just turned to God, mm-hmm. and the seems like the Corinthians hadn't really got there yet. Yeah. which is, um, yeah, just a different example. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good point. Just going off what, what Josh said, I wonder what the role of imitation is or imitating Christians is in discipleship. I think there's an extent to which imitating Christians can illuminate uh, attributes of God that weren't necessarily obvious, us, obvious to us from the mm. outset. So one of the examples might be in hospitality, which is consistent with Jesus' compassion, but because Jesus was itinerant, he wasn't hosting people so much, you know. But when we see someone who's gifted in hospitality and, um, and works out that hospitality with compassion and welcomes anyone, we also see that to con- be consistent with the character of Christ. Mm-hmm. So we can see, oh, hospitality is uh, Christ-likeness. Yeah. I think Paul as well is not borrowing a new idea. He's not yeah. creating a new idea. He's borrowing an old one in the sense that um, the rabbinic system, and he's talking to Gentiles here and Corinthians as well, so maybe that's why he's kind of taking, he's presenting an old Jewish way in a new in a new way. But in other words, discipleship has always been about imitating. But right. in the Jewish system, you would be a disciple of a rabbi, you know, and that was what it was called. So in a way, you could probably think of it like if you grew up in a Jewish system, you would just be called a disciple. Mm. But if you grew up in a Gentile system, 
you would be called an imitator. But both were doing exactly the same thing. So the disciples would follow the, the rabbi, and there's stories that one rabbi had a limp, and all of his disciples walked with a limp. None of them had the same injury, but they, they wanted to imitate perfectly what their rabbi was like, what he taught, how he slept, how he walked, what he ate. And, and that was the idea that you learn from your rabbi, you become like your rabbi, and then you do what your rabbi does. Yeah. And Paul's just taking that same thing, which is a, this model given to us, and Jesus used that as well. He called people to be his disciples, to follow him and to walk with him, which he was saying, come learn my teaching, come become like me, and then go do what I do, go into all the worlds and preach preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. And Paul's just just translating it into a Gentile world and just saying, you need to learn from me, you need to become like me, and then you need to do what I do, which to the Corinthians he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In other words, you need to learn what Christ is about, become like Christ, and do what Christ does. Mm. And imi- I think imitation is this another word for disciple, or apprentice is probably a better word in our context. Yeah. We need to be apprentices of Jesus. Mm. Yeah. I think also if you go a little broader, the turning from idols, I think certainly the idea is that you become like what you worship. And I think even the ancients had that idea. It's like, we, that's why there's gods of strength. And then you go and worship them if you want some strength. There's right. gods of fertility. You go worship them if you want fertility. And Paul's here saying, no, you've turned from all of those and you've turned to the living God. And so imitation on a discipleship level also accelerates all the way up to who God is. You know, We become more and more like Christ. And the strange, not the strange thing, but the odd thing if you think of how God, Jesus appears as a poor, as the, you know, a very poor man. It's like almost countercultural. Imagine Moses going to Pharaoh, worship the God of the slaves. And he's like, what are you kidding? Uh, so God like appears and it says these kind of challenges that God actually is reversing all the things, like putting aside all those, those things that you are, where your strength is built on and submitting to the living God and imitating him. So I think imitation is a, is like it's very powerful in the sense that um, we become like what we worship, but also God is completely different to our desire for strength and for uh, yeah. success and all those things. You're so making me think of uh, yeah. our devotion this morning with God's covenant yeah. to Abraham, where it's yeah. leave your country, leave your clan, leave yeah. your people, and follow me into the yeah. land I'll show you. And you know, it's in the same. Yeah, leave all you've known. Leave. Leave your gods, leave your securities, leave your idols yeah. and turn to the living God and trust Him. Yeah. So just in closing then, what's a practical application that we can leave going into our week thinking about or considering? I think one for me would be if Paul is framing 1 Thessalonians around the idea that Christ is returning and in light of that we live a certain way, then you know, in verse 1 it says, and to wait for the Son from heaven. So we're waiting. Whether you're a Christian and you know you're waiting, or whether you're not a Christian and you don't know you're waiting, it doesn't matter. Everyone is waiting because something's going to happen. Jesus is going to come back. So the, the question would be for me is this, is while you wait, while your life is in transit, what does your life look like? What does my life look like? How am I living now while I'm waiting?